Hey listeners, welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't, the podcast where we are just two pals who talk about psychology and how much it impacts our day-to-day lives. My name is Megan and my partner in podcast here is... Marta. Hey pal. Hey pal. <laughs> and we are coming to you from another sunny, sunny day in a parking lot. We're, we're doing an outdoor recording, so if you hear birds chirping and lawns being mowed or that fucking guy with the weed <laughs> or that um just consider it delightful ambiance and uh sounds of summer yeah um so for now i'm going to pass it over to marta because she's got a doozy in for us today. i do I do. So uh, today's episode is a little bit more of like a think piece. And the reason for this is that we have a few things that we just don't think about right now in society. And I think that we should. So I was inspired to do this from our Alzheimer's and dementia episode, because I was thinking what happens when you do in fact start to lose your mind kind mm-hmm. of right like or at least what happens legally um, and this opened up a whole host of directions that I could go with this topic by default every human in Canada and the US and most developed countries with a solid legal system I don't know specifically about the others um, has the right to preside over their own personal medical financial legal contractual affairs so they are just assumed to be competent mm-hmm. by the law like um, to you know, make these decisions. So if you break the law, you're held responsible, that sort of thing. Uh, this is a right that we just assume we have when we go to the doctor, fill out forms, or when we sign a new phone contract or open a bank account. These are things that are just assumed. In legal lingo, this is called having capacity or being deemed capable. The only time though that capacity comes into the conversation is when we waive the right or when it's taken away from us. Whether it was taken away or we gave it away, I want to talk about the legal rights that we have and what the heck psychology has to do with the decisions to have them or to get them taken away. I'll start by telling you the reasons that somebody can be deemed as incapable. As we go through this, I'd like to preface to say that I'm not a legal professional. I did you're very- not you're not a lawyer? <laughs> no. Oh, damn. I'd probably make a bit more money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did the very best googling that I could, but yeah, again, no legal profession on this uh, bl- picnic Just like we here. are not psychiatrists or psychologists, we are not lawyers. Also true, yeah. I was also relatively general about my legal research, so I looked at many definitions and laws that pertain to Canada, Australia, US, UK, so my apologies if something is different in your country. And if you guys have any questions or concerns or comments as the, question, as the episode goes on, just write it down and let us know on our social media. Uh, and then once we're done with the law stuff, we'll go into the psychology stuff. Megan, sound good sounds dope okay um so can i just start asking you some questions and Mm -hmm. we'll kind of go through like that bitchin so i'm curious are there some people who would just not have any rights at all or like who can argue that they aren't responsible for their actions yeah there are actually certain classes of people who have limited rights or limited legal rights the first one that i want to mention is starting out when you're a kid minors are actually not legally allowed to do many things parental consent yes have your parent or guardian sign this form yes exactly field trips Everything. Everything. Um, So the reason that you may be deemed as incapable or not capable is a little thing called legal age of majority. According to (laughs) thelawdictionary.org, this is the age at which the person acquires full capacity to make his or her own contracts and deeds and transact business generally, uh, in brackets, age of majority, or to enter in some particular contract or relation as the legal age of consent to marriage, for example. 
And honestly, I didn't realize this when I was a kid that I was one of the populations that just didn't have certain rights. Like I didn't, I don't know. You don't think about it when you're a kid. You don't think about like, if I wanted to sign a contract right now, I couldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe like the concept of needing permission is just really ingrained when you're a child. Yeah. Um, so some of the terms that you heard me say in the definition are age of majority and legal age of consent. And this mag- magical age is different depending on where you look. In Canada, for example, the provinces alternate in legal age. In Ontario, it's 19, but our two neighbors are 18. If you drive province to province, it goes like that, like 18, 19, 18, 19, really? 18, 19. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. At least when I was reaching age of majority, that's... <laughs> I didn't know that other provinces weren't the same age of majority is Ontario I would have figured that shit was federal so you didn't go to Quebec to drink then when you were 18 no oh <laughs> <laughs> no, I had either. no problem drinking at 18 in Ontario <laughs> this, <laughs> this is also true Um, And in some cases, age of majority might not matter if you get emancipated. So when you're a minor, your parents or guardians have your legal power, as we just discussed, but you can fight to take that away from them uh, before you reach the age of majority. Based on the age of majority for the place that you live, you as a minor do not have the following rights. Voting, marriage, criminal responsibility, medical decisions, some financial responsibility, uh, and contractual. Okay, so wait, you said that minors don't have criminal responsibility? I'd like to place actually a little asterisk on the criminal responsibility by saying that minors are still responsible, but differently. So if you commit a crime under the age of 12, you're deemed as not criminally responsible because apparently, according to Canada and the Netherlands, which also shares the age of 12, uh, you don't know enough about right and wrong by that age. Really? Yeah. You're just not criminally responsible. Between 12 and 18, you're treated as a juvenile. So you're like prosecuted as a juvenile. But the um, but the judgment of whether you should be treated as a juvenile or if you should be tried in adult court lays just with the judge and the jury. No mm. psychologists are needed in order to make that um specification and de- depending on the severity of the crime and I was going to say accused, there has to be like some outlying circumstances where like if a nine-year-old did something fucking horrible yeah i mean i'm sure like law it feels like there are some concrete rules to law but then once it gets into a courtroom like those rules aren't super concrete it's like left to judge and jury yeah exactly so yeah it's it depends it depends on the severity of the crime like as you just said but um this lack of adult responsibility might be waived if you are you know like 17 and you murdered a family or something like that then you'll be treated i feel like you'd be treated like an adult like you were 17 and you murdered someone yeah yeah but maybe if you were like nine and you murdered someone (laughs) i don't know i still feel like if you were nine and you murdered someone but anyway that's not not cool we don't need to keep talking about (laughs) that point so next up (laughs) you also mentioned um contractual and financial so what about something like student loans because that would well a lot of times I guess that would happen before you're of age I suppose if you went back to school later in life maybe you'd be over the age of 19 but like a lot of kids now at least in Ontario when you're going away to college or university yeah. you're 18 yeah yeah and I'm really glad you asked that and so I'd like to point out here I guess it's a personal grievance of mine student loans Oh, you mean like you had them and had to pay them back and it really was hard for you for a very long time? Me too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
And what made me actually laugh out loud is that all contracts that you sign as a minor can be contested and canceled as soon as you reach legal age. So if you reach 18 or 19 in Ontario and you've signed like a phone contract or something like that without your legal guardian, you can contest it. Whoa, really? Yeah. It, the Where I read it, the law that I read said that um, if there was a legal, I mean, if there was a minor at all involved in a contract, then it can be contested by the minor and canceled. With the exception of student loans. Student loans are the only thing where we're like, oh yeah, sure. Just like whenever you want to put yourself into crippling lifelong debt, like go for it. But I actually feel like my mom had to sign, at, at the very least, my mom definitely helped me with all of my applications for student loans. So my, my parents had to sign it because I was using them. Uh, I was using like their financial information, yes, yeah. but um, yeah, it's as far as the I'll pay you back for real. That's me. That was all you? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then different aspects of financial rights also come into play at different times. So not only are you allowed to start signing away your financial rights only for student loans when you're younger, you have to wait till you're 19 to buy a lottery ticket in order to pay back those student loans or 21 in the States. So you can sign your life away at 16 or 17 whenever you enter university or like you sign your money away. But if you want a chance at paying that back, you have to win the lottery. I didn't even think about the fact that in the States it is 21. 20 fucking one. That's a lot of years between when you get like you're out of school by the time you're technically yeah of legal age yeah and like taking on student loans to go into university is really a gamble anyway at making more money but we're not allowed to actually gamble until we're 20 like it's just <laughs> <laughs> anyway like how how is that determined why are we allowed to make one financial gamble but not allowed to make the other at a certain age like is this all based on psychological fact or anything huh no <laughs> no is marta's answer um well, okay, so so minors are deemed not capable by law, but by that same token, what about people who have a mental illness or something like that? Like we were talking about, you were you were inspired by the Alzheimer's and dementia episode. We've also had um, numerous episodes now about various mental illnesses that would, I think, deem someone um, not capable yeah. um so are they allowed to make decisions for themselves so you're right this is considered a class of people who do not have many of the rights allowed by legal capacity so if you are diagnosed with a mental illness that is severely debilitating or if you have a medical condition that uh, prohibits you from making your own decisions you get your rights taken away or not taken away but assigned to somebody else um when your condition prevents you from achieving the normal levels of performance expected from people of a comparable age. So let's say you reach the age of majority, so 18 or 19, and then you don't reach the normal levels of performance, like cognitive performance, then your rights are assigned to somebody else. Hmm. But how do we assess that performance? We'll get into that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and condition that qualifies you for this is uh, any kind of individual that can't care for themselves and it can be temporary like a coma or something or it can be long-term like a case of severe autism or some sort of developmental disability or it can affect your life at the end with dementia and so on and so forth. Now normally these populations will have someone who presides over their responsibilities and this person holds what's called the power of attorney. 
If you're granted the power of attorney by someone, it gives you a variety of different rights, depending on the type of power granted. The only thing that's implied to be never granted as a power of attorney is the ability to break laws on somebody's behalf, because that would be fucked. Mm-hmm. But everything else that you have to do that's legally binding, you can assign to somebody else. And I think there's different levels of, or like types of power of attorney mm-hmm. that can be assigned. Like you can have, you can give one person your medical power of attorney, but a different person your legal power of attorney, at least in Canada, you can do that yeah yeah um okay so what if that person uh, who was deemed as incapable commits a crime so in these cases there's a little condition in the law that calls people who are mentally incapable or um, deemed medically incapable uh, they're not criminally responsible for their actions so if they commit a crime they're not responsible for it. To be found not criminally responsible means that you did not understand what you were doing, or even if you did understand, you didn't understand that it was wrong. So like, you know you're killing someone, but you don't know that it's the wrong thing to do. Now, I'm sure the true crime fans out there that are listening know a lot about criminal responsibility. Me. <laughs> Megan's waving. I'm like, yeah. Okay. And, and we also know about the insanity plea. And we're I'm not going to dive too deep into this in this episode. And I'm so disappointed because I want to talk all about this. <laughs> because I want to make a study study about it. Yeah. But just know we know about this little guy, NCR, and we plan to cover it. It's also been requested. So it's it's going to happen. We're going to get there. Yeah. And being not criminally responsible is not to be confused with competence to stand trial. There are some cases where the accused was suffering from some sort of mental duress, so the trial was delayed. And this is called competence to stand trial. Someone may be incompetent to stand trial, but still be criminally responsible for a crime. These two are discrete, one referring to the responsibility for the crime itself, and the other referring to the ability to defend yourself. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a little bummed we're not going to go into it now, but I Sorry. do understand we want to do a study study about it. So I'll hold my questions on that. Also, um, this episode would be like seven hours long. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then what would be the other classes of people who aren't viewed as capable by the law? Like if I'm wasted and I don't know what I'm doing, can I void contracts when I'm sober? No. <laughs> no? No. Shit. <laughs> as far as the law is concerned, if you get yourself drunk or high or whatever, inebriation is not a legally valid defense. The only time that it might be a good defense is if somebody else got you drunk or high or whatever without your permission. Oh. So if you're responsible for your own inebriation, that's your bad. You're an idiot. <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's been cases where somebody was drunk and they did something and they got away with it because they were drunk. But as like as far as the written law, if you if you did it, you did it. That's a wow, Marta. Okay. Some other small classes of people who lose certain legal rights are people who have declared bankruptcy. You lose your status then as uh, creditworthy. That means that you have your hands tied up financially. You can't sign up for a mortgage, for loans, that sort of thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Anybody who's classified as an alien, anybody who's classified as an enemy alien or terrorist by the state also gets their rights revoked. During times of war, a state may limit the ability of its citizens to offer help or assistance in any form to those who are acting against the interests of the state. The language here was state, like thinking of United States, but I think it's like the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another class of people who loses 
a few rights are convicted criminals. They're not allowed to run businesses. Kind of. <laughs> kind of understandable. Not allowed to vote. They're not allowed to vote, which kind of sucks, I think. Like, I think that everybody should be allowed to vote. Even people... Well, maybe this is a different conversation. Uh, yeah, it probably is a different conversation. And maybe it depends on the type of crime. But, like, there yeah. are some people where, like, yeah, probably it's not appropriate for you to have the right to vote yeah. if, like, that's, that's what true. you've done. But, yeah, I actually, I don't, it, it probably is a separate conversation. But I wonder mm-hmm. if it's when you are incarcerated, I think that you are, like, like you aren't. Uh, this is going to sound wrong, but like you aren't your own property anymore. And that's why you can't make those decisions or have those rights or like give consent for anything. Yeah. Well, um, apparently you are still able to enter contracts. Oh, though, when you're incarcerated, like you can buy and sell a house while you're in prison. Apparently, according to the legal site that I read, but maybe this is like only the States because this convicted criminals I could only find information about it in the states in Canada it's more of like a fluid discussion so I tried to find information about like could they invest in stuff um there I found like a whole whole article by the what's the board in Canada like the um the ministry of like jails and stuff yeah (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I found, like, this whole discussion forum about it. Like, should criminals be allowed to make their own medical decisions? Like, do they have the right to refuse uh, treatment and that sort of thing? So it seems like more fluid, more of a conversation. Like, in Canada, it seems like less of a list of rules and more of a, like, case-by-case, let's have a conversation. And when it's appropriate, yes. And when it's not, no. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I saw, like, that's, that's what it is. Like, there aren't any specific rules. But, I mean... I didn't read every page on that site, so... There are probably rules with, like, amendment after amendment after yeah. amendment. Yeah. Probably. Or, like, rules with, like, so many cases of these rules being bent. Footnote one. Yeah. Footnote two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's one last class of people who have no rights at all. Want to guess who? Dead people. Oh, no, duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you switching gears a bit you mentioned power of attorney before i want to go back to that so this sounds like a case where you give your rights away instead of being classified as someone who doesn't have them by default so can you tell me more about that Mm -hmm. so power of attorney is a written authorization to represent or act on another's behalf in private affairs or some other legal matter so as we talked about earlier if you grant power of attorney um, or if you're granted power of attorney by somebody it gives you a variety of different rights depending on the power granted the only thing that's implied to never be granted is the right to commit Mm -hmm. to break laws everything else is fair game in most cases the grantor the person giving away their power must be in capacity when they're giving the power away so these types of grantors are usually giving power away because they'll be busy for example when a contract needs to be signed or because they want to pass some responsibility or a task to somebody else normally granting a poa power of attorney is limited and within a narrow scope but there are a few times where this is not the case so normally if i grant you power of attorney to sign a contract for me or to enter into some sort of engagement for me, um, if I suddenly become incapacitated or no longer capable by law, that power of attorney that I signed over to you is voided. Uh, So unless it's a durable or enduring power of attorney, 
then it voids. So the durable or enduring types take effect whenever, but it needs to be specified that they are this type mm -hmm. so that they go until the grantor's death in capacity or not. An example of this would be an instance where your loved one begins to show signs of dementia and is no longer capable of managing their own legal affairs. They should probably have power attorney handle all their stuff for them, right? Um, well, like how can you sign away your legal rights if you're no longer able or capable of making legal decisions and like what what even would be capacity then? That's honestly the question that came to mind for me with all of the classes of people that don't have rights and how to take your legal capacity away from you, that sort of thing. And also with that episode about Alzheimer's and dementia, like where's the psychology in all of this? How do we determine who is legally capable and why? And how do you determine if somebody is no longer legally capable mm -hmm. once they're determined is no longer legally capable? Like how does that work? I want to roll through all of the classes that we talked about and cover the psychology in the same order. Do you remember the first class of citizens who were deemed incapable by law? Minors. Exactly. So as you remember, minors basically can't do anything other than sign for a student loan. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even legally consent to sex. Uh, so I just wanted to know who decided that they can't make these decisions and why is the number magically set at 18, 19 or 21 or whatever it is for that particular right? Well, I think it actually has changed for uh, over time in Canada. Like when mm -hmm. my mom was growing up, it was 18. Mm -hmm. um, but for by the time I was 18, it was 19. Yeah. 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 And like, why, why suddenly at 19, are you adult enough to make these decisions when at 18.75, you were not like that's so that's why I wanted to look into this little fun fact uh while i was looking into what the hell goes into the decision of setting the age i found that in saudi arabia the signs of majority are based on physical signs of puberty with 15 being the upper limit so like you start reaching certain puberty milestones you get to vote whoa yeah like if you've got like pubes you get to vote you just like if you have can a mustache, you, you get to vote. Can you imagine you sh show up to like the voting station and you uh, just drop sir, trial? I have boobs. <laughs> I I can vote. Well, I don't know if women have any power at all. Oh, in Saudi Arabia, I didn't look into that. Well, if it was Canada, at least, sir, I have boobs. <laughs> I can vote. <laughs> I'm just imagining like a really chubby little kid, <laughs> like hasn't reached maturity at all. But sir, I have boobs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, long story short, I couldn't find anything about 18, why 18, 19, 21, etc. are chosen. You'd think that this decision might be based on science. Like if we're prohibiting somebody from entering contracts, there has to be a reason, right? Like they aren't mature enough, but mature how? Intellectually? How do we check that? How do we know any I would, of that? I would not expect it to be based on science. Really? Yeah, I would expect it to be based on um, uh, errors. Hmm. and like what has gone wrong before and like when this was the legal age we had this and this and this and this and probably I mean I hope I guess if, if by science you mean like the scientific method of polling and measuring <laughs> uh, signs of mature decision making and yeah. saying like oh like finding the right average is 18 or 19 and yeah I don't know like I would I would think that's what it would be I wouldn't think it was based on like test tubes <laughs> i'm more idealistic oh okay well not not test tubes i don't think it should be based on test tubes but i'm i would hope that it would be based on some sort of like psychological scientific method like the 
prefrontal cortex is the, like at its peak maturity at 18 or something like that. Like your cognitive decision-making abilities are like not fully developed until you're 21 or whatever. But I think even then you'd still have to find an average, right? Because my brain yeah. might not grow the same as yours. And so oh, sure. like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not against an average, but I just don't think that any of those things are taken into consideration right now because listen to where okay. I go with age of consent. So okay. sex stuff. You probably won't be shocked to learn that the age of consent conversation kicked off with ideas that are similar to this one from the ancient Greek poet Hesiod. Hesiod. That's really how you pronounce it? That's how I would pronounce that. Okay, well. Uh, <laughs> and the quote is, a man should marry at around the age of 30 and that he should take a wife who is five years past puberty. Two things. One, ew. <laughs> also, like, five years past puberty. I... That what if someone me, matures like really quickly? I mean, like that would make me, I think, eighteen or nineteen. Marrying a thirty-year-old guy at nineteen, like, I mean, is gross. Well, not, but it's not. It's gross for me. Maybe it would be I'm gross for everyone. The age of but that dude now. Yeah, I'm imagining a nineteen-year-old. No, thank you. Yeah, I just turned thirty, and imagining a nineteen-year-old would be like, no, thanks. thank you. <laughs> So as I said, two things. One, ew. Two, I see no science here. And honestly, science hasn't really come back into it yet. Well, you're talking ancient Greece. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in the States, until the 1880s, age of consent was super low, around 10 or 12, until a reform called the Maiden Tribune made it higher. Same thing echoed in other countries around the world in the 19th and 20th centuries. Main reason for raising the age was always morals, not necessarily anything else just morals okay yeah so no science was used in that decision whatever that's fine age of sexual consent fine morals i also looked into emancipation because i was like well you know what about the legal things what about like the actually nothing morals like no morals about it i just want to know what about like legal decision making Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so emancipation gives you the power to make decisions in the law by yourself without your parents and i was hoping that there would be some psychological testing in the process you can get emancipated by your parents just saying that you're okay to make decisions on your own (laughs) marriage yeah what you can get emancipated just by your parents saying like they don't have to sign forms like it has to be legal but they have to go oh like your parent has to be like yeah they can do this yeah oh yeah wow so like apparently our parents are good judges of decision making ability well, I mean, like, if you have not terrible. good parents, you and, like, parents, you... But why would you want to emancipate yourself if you have good parents? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being really, like, what is it? You're um, fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that's what we call it. I'm being a contrarian today. No, that's not the one. Fired up. We'll keep it that way. Um, you're also... You can also get emancipated, or, like, the powers of emancipation by marriage. Okay. Active military service parental neglect that makes sense it makes sense but shouldn't you just be given another guardian uh well again i don't know what the legal route to get legally emancipated is but i imagine quite a lot of form filling and like um form stamping fill and out shit this form to determine if you're okay to fill out forms uh kind of yeah that like I don't know. Government's really bureaucratic, man. It's a lot of forms. This is true. So I feel like uh, 
maybe I'm being a little <laughs> idealistic here, but like if I got through all of these hurdles to like get to this point, I think I'm um, uh, capable yeah. of making decisions for myself. If I can get through all of that, then I've proved it. Yeah. Eh? I don't know. I just think of myself at like 14 or 15 and I could definitely fill out a mean form because I always filled out all the forms for my dad whenever we went anywhere because he just hated filling out forms. But like, I wasn't able to make decisions. Well, I was able to make decisions for myself, but like, it probably wasn't the best call. Maybe yeah. like 13 or 12 or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know. I follow a good rule, but I don't think that my critical thinking was there. Whatever. Anyway just emancipation whatever you can get emancipated all these ways but there's no psychology in it at all in all the time that i spent looking at all the different legal permissions of minors and why the ages were set when they were i found no psychology don't we need to know the intellectual markers of somebody who's fit to make their own decisions what about criminal responsibility is uh is that psychology like i could take an iq test that's not necessarily a psychological it is is it yep what else would it be if not a psychological thing? Um, well, it's a measure of my of my intellect. I think of a psychological evaluation as being um, a little different than that. Like, what would the psychological evaluation to determine you are a good decision maker be? So, intelligence tests are like psychological tests or psychological metrics. And the way that I, or at least like, that's how they started, right? As psychological metrics. So whether or not they're still that, is kind of, I guess, I think of it as being so like, this is my knowledge base. Yeah. But you're like, psychology is your brain and how your brain works. And so isn't knowledge your brain and how your brain works? Well, it's part of it. But what about like, uh, your emotional quotient testing and like those sorts of things that could be involved too. I don't know. Like there's still, there should be some sort of like evaluation of a brain or just markers like what do we want to see in people who are capable and then how do we test for this to make sure that this person is capable or whatever I would like to see like a measure of here are my past decisions and what I think about them <laughs> and like showing nope. that like you either have a record of good decision making or at least showing that you have a record of poor decision making and learning a lot from it <laughs> but how is that object like I just my main problem is like I need it to be objective not subjective because if I was evaluating your decisions versus if somebody who's like really rigidly Catholic was evaluating decisions mm -hmm. versus somebody who like has no morals at all was evaluating your decisions because they're all personal evaluations we'd all give you different ratings on your past decisions I want something objective like some kind of scoring i know i'm being like idealistic you're and I don't have a solution. 19 <laughs> that that kind of objective but what comes with being 19 <laughs> like what are the mental markers that we want to see like cognitive reasoning tests something like that i don't know i'm being idealistic i would just would like to see any kind of consideration about a person's brain in the determination of your age of being of sound brain <laughs> Maybe age shouldn't be the word, sort of like your, um, uh, what would be the word? Rather than like age of majority, like 
signs of majority yeah maybe i don't know i don't know um regarding criminal responsibility in scotland the age of criminal responsibility is currently eight years however the age of criminal prosecution was raised to 12 in 2010 so prosecution and responsibility are separate um england and wales and north ireland the age of responsibility is 10 years and in netherlands and canada the age is 12 years. Sweden, Finland, and Norway all set the age at 15. U.S., the age varies between states, some being as low as 6, for example, in South Carolina, and 7 in 35 other states. 11 years is a minimum age for federal crimes, but most of these places leave judges and prosecutors the freedom to judge if the child knew what they were doing wrong. But how do you judge that? How does the judge say, oh, you did know, or oh, you didn't know? Like, well, I know how you would do it. Because child could just say, oh, I didn't know. I know how you would do it in an adult. Like, that's kind of, uh, it's like the insanity plea thing. Like, um, trying to get a, a measure that you were um, not criminally responsible. But if you show that you, like, took steps to hide that you did something wrong, then that's a clear sign that you knew you did something wrong. Um, so it's probably but case like, by case. What if somebody commits a crime? And then they know they're doing it wrong, but they're planning on taking the insanity plea. So they like kill somebody in broad daylight and just walk away acting like they didn't do anything wrong, even though they know it's something wrong. Well, I think you would also get a bunch of psychological testing done. So you don't have to. That's the thing. But also, do you remember when we did our episode about psychopaths and I told the John Ronson story about um, interviewing that guy who did exactly that and got an insanity plea and got fucking landed in an insane asylum for like 12 years of his life trying to get out and then it showed that he was a psychopath because he was like trying to manipulate people to let him out of the prison? Well, that's one case. <laughs> okay. So it's like psychologists aren't required at all in this decision um but that's anyway we're getting off track we yeah. were talking about minors that's My enough bad. about minors <laughs> okay next so then um so then the next one was um insanity right yeah so this one at least has some mention of psychology when it comes to setting the laws yes. and setting the standards but it's still worrisome how little it is so the first thing that I wanted to touch upon is when somebody is deemed not criminally responsible for a crime. I'm just touching upon it. Uh, this is the largest place where psychology is involved and psychologists are usually brought into the courtroom for their professional opinion. I could be wrong though, but I don't think I saw it say anywhere that a psychologist needs to be involved for the actual decision. Also, two psychologists from competing fields could be brought in and argue opposites because yeah. psychology is so loose and so difficult to define and if you were like getting into a point where it was actually in um in trial or going to trial then like that's exactly what both the defense and the prosecution mm -hmm. would try to do yeah so psychologists aren't required in order to pass an insanity plea uh and again i want to do a study study on this so guys just keep your pants on we're going to talk <laughs> about ncrs uh just in the future Next is mental illness and medical conditions that take away other legal powers, like contractual rights and medical decisions. I found a great website in the UK that tackled this quite nicely, and it was a psychiatry website, so I was excited. They have something called the Mental Capacity Act, and it has five principles. 
One is you have capacity unless the tests that I'm about to describe show that you don't. The tests are, do you understand the information? Can you retain the information? Can you weigh up the information? And can you communicate your decision? Um, I didn't see any standardized measures for how to determine if somebody can retain information or if somebody can weigh the pros and cons of or the decision. Or communicate it effectively. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is where it starts to fall apart. I'm like, these are great questions and this is a good way to start, but there's got to be a rubric for that. There isn't. Legit. There's no, no rubric or just we didn't find a rubric? Well, there wasn't. At, on this UK website and I crawled the shit out of it okay. and I crawled the shit out of like all the UK resources because they have a really good mental capacity act so I looked into that anyway so that was principle number one you have to pass those tests uh, principle number two your best interests come first so regardless of if it's you that's making the decision or somebody else your best interests have to come first um, you can have help to make decisions for yourself so other people can advise you that sort of thing if you have the capacity to make a particular decision, you have the right to make a decision that others may see as unwise. So if you want to like sign a DNR, for example, do not resuscitate. Others might see it as unwise, but you're allowed to do it. Um, and if the decision is has to be made for somebody else, so if you're the power of attorney or whatever, it should be the least disturbing and least dangerous option. Those are the five principles. Hmm. Okay, so I understand you said this is on a UK website. What was it? the royal college of psychiatrists website okay so where's the psychiatry like what's the what are the tests there aren't any oh, oh. <laughs> and that's my grievance here again so like as, as as has probably come across already in this episode i want more standardized objective things like marta wants rule books marta yeah. wants <laughs> Um, user's like, guides. <laughs> exactly. I want like a cosmopolitan style quiz, like answer these five questions. <laughs> if you scored mostly A's, you're a Virgo or whatever. Like, but if you scored mostly A's, you're not you're capable. You're not criminally responsible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like maybe slightly more professional and Like less a little ditzy. more scientific yeah. than a scientific, scientific kick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a scientific kick. <laughs> you always are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah okay so how do we know that somebody understands the information for example like one of the tests is you have to prove that you understand the information is there a fucking quiz on understanding the information not in Cosmo <laughs> or anywhere else and the kicker is that the website says that any professional can make this decision so if it's a decision it like if it's um if you're being like if somebody's assessing you on your competence before a medical decision for example before going into surgery or whatever the doctor can just say like yeah this person is competent to this decision or yeah this person is not competent to this decision if it's signing legal papers the attorney can make this decision so it's on the psychiatry website because it's like a psychiatry policy but any professional can make the decision there's a skateboarding kid right behind me, isn't there? Yeah, he's doing tricks. Yeah, this kid seems to have chosen his favorite spot. Yes, and it happens to be right, right behind, us. behind where we're recording. So, guys, we're sorry. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's it. That's all I had to say about that. Well, um, okay. So, does it get any better with any of the other things that you've covered? Mm -mm. No? No. You shaking your head? Yeah. And apparently I used the word grievance a lot when I was writing my responses. Yeah. Uh, you were grieved. <laughs> you have grievances. Do, um, and 
I'm thinking of the word bereaved, but no. No. I was definitely not, not grieving. Bereaved. Not bereaved. No, because that's yeah, okay, anyway. That was grieving. <laughs> you have grievances. I'm so sorry. For what? For even No, I like it. Going okay. <laughs> So we seem to be making legal decisions about people based on their brains, but we don't use brain science in the decision. So we don't outline what it means to be capable in an objective and measurable sense. Uh, although I know, like I've learned throughout this episode that Megan, you don't agree with me on some things. Like for example, age of majority, or at least you just like gave me some pushback. Well, I just feel like um, we must be using something. Yeah. Like it's not like there's it can't be that they're just like fucking plucking ages out of thin air deciding yeah. oh yeah sure this age is okay and this age is not like there must have been it's definitely based on experience I yeah think. yeah but i think like for example with a kid who um commits a crime or whatever or with a kid who signs a contract or whatever there has to be a way to be like okay this kid knew what they were doing. Well, and, and I think here's that how we determine that. Absolutely are. And I think it's just like, I think it's at that point left to courts. Like we have these rules and these are our guiding rules, but then like there are going to be outlying situations where like it's up to the crown to um, make the case that this kid should be um, tried as an adult hmm. or like, you know, and, and that's, uh, getting into the legal system which is maybe not where we should having our be having our conversation but like at that point um like everybody else just has to do their job really 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 well yeah. to get what should be just and that sucks but it is also maybe going to allow us as a group to act um yeah with better decision making overall as opposed to like when you're just in the heat of a moment making a decision yeah i don't know i mean i think i just think that there's many things that we know about the way that humans act and the way that humans behave and like things that can influence behavior there's many things that we know also about development and children's development and whatever like psychologically that we're not using right now or like isn't isn't involved in the process i'm not saying that our current answers are wrong like maybe if we included that psychological information we'd still be landing at age of 19 for ontario yeah. and age of 18 for Quebec. maybe but i just like to see it more yeah so. well and i wonder like there must probably be places in which our resources have huge gaps right mm -hmm. like as far as wouldn't it be great if we could give everybody a brain scan to make sure that their prefrontal cortex is like fully developed yeah fully developed before giving them an age of consent and you have to like pass that shit like Marta starts a nonprofit. yeah with like <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome but like is giving every individual an mri a realistic like no uh, there's got to yeah. be yeah some practical um uh impossibilities around it but like yeah yeah I'm, where I'm, do we figure it out i'm imagining know. like the world of the future the world of the future where everybody's education system is customized to their learning style and once you graduate you like as part of your school system you have like are you able to sign contracts now <laughs> and like i don't know i'm imagining age of the future where everything is different well that's good like you are the future so <laughs> <laughs> if you mm -hmm. That's what we should be doing, right? Yeah. We should be um, wanting to change the world because yeah. then we'll teach our kids to want to change the world and they'll teach their kids and this shit will true. get better. Shit will get better. Yeah. As we learn more about our gut flora. 
as we learn more about our gut flora and every generation will feel like their poops are better well I was gonna say that like the world is coming to an end but (laughs) as a result they're teaching the next generation to like when you think about baby boomers right like they wanted to radically change the world and in a lot of ways that they have and now there's our generation and we're also feeling the world is coming to an end like thinking that your uh your parents generation fucked you over is not a new thing yeah and um thinking that you need to that children are the future is not a new thing i don't know uh tangent we went off the rails that's okay i like it um but Generally, my answer always is we need more science. Uh, And lastly, I want to talk about power of attorney. It can be granted without a psychologist's input at all. All you need in Canada is a doctor and an attorney. So a doctor that says you're not capable and an attorney that says, okay, you're not capable and like documents that. Um, Do you know if it has to be a certain type of doctor? A GP can do it. I actually think that that would make more sense. For it to be a GP. Than a psychologist? Well, like that a general practitioner would be taking into account a lot of different things. Hmm. Like both physical and mental capacity. Well, or like if it's your family doctor and they know you really well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think that maybe it could be a tandem decision because I don't think that GPs have enough education in psychology to make that call really like maybe there's like a specialist for different types i don't know but just yeah in canada all you need is a gp and attorney uh so technically uh, if you have a family member who is hell-bent uh to say that you're insane they can find a doctor that says that you're insane and they can just take away your rights now that's obviously a long shot but technically It's possible. And all this being said, psychology probably isn't far enough along for this kind of involvement in the law Hmm. at all anyway. Like, there's a ton of discord among professionals in the field about who is capable, who's responsible, and so on, and what all this stuff means. So I want more science, like, I want more psychology included in the law, but psychology also has to get a lot better. Probably, like, psychology in general needs to come to some decisions before... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we talked about this, like, early days, too, when Mm -hmm. I was like, psychology is a science, or psychology is not a science. We talked about the discord among psychologists um and psychological testing might not be there yet but we can talk about that again some other day because i have more grievances yeah you got feelings yeah with psychological testing and that's that's it that's legal capacity in psychology there is no psychology in determining if somebody is legally capable but in my eyes being legally capable means that your brain works enough to make legal decisions but there's no brain science in it huh Sorry. It is a doozy. That was a doozy. Um, well, thank you for that conversation. It was certainly interesting. And <laughs> thank uh, you for listeners, that. Yeah, tell us what you think. Uh, we hope you learned stuff. And like, if you have uh, stuff to share, if you have ideas, if you have questions, if you have like, I don't know, stuff we didn't have when we were putting this episode together, and you have some like breathtaking piece of research that you want to share with us we'd sure like to read it and i'm sure i missed a lot well there's a lot available in the world and it sounds like there's not a lot of final decisions made so yeah maybe there are other um sources to consider (laughs) yes 
Um, well, anyway, thank you. Thank you, Marta. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope that you have been enjoying listening to the podcast in general. Um, if you want to reach out to us with any of those ideas or resources or questions or any of that, you can reach us at who knew we didn't pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knew we didn't at Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hashtag WKWD, any of those things you put it out there we'll find it um and uh yeah tune in in a couple weeks for another brand new episode and we will talk to you then see ya bye